Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I am here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, Tyler, I'm back, and uh, we're getting ready to do episode 120 tonight. How you doing? I'm doing good. The hell, there's no the last uh, what 20 or so episodes. We don't have a player name to uh, to put towards the episode number, so that's that's unfortunate. But <laughs> I think I did um, Rasmussen for the last one. No, no, last one was Leave Larkin alone. So uh, we have no one to put. I guess we could have done Verana for for one because he's been absolutely stellar. But no, uh, we we really haven't had a lot to celebrate. But we did small victories, and we got another one to talk about tonight. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they they definitely there's definitely some news here for sure, and uh, you know. Uh, of course, as you know, things have started to evolve here with the rebuild. It continues to yield some hope, and you know, hopefully, that's something we can talk about here tonight. Yeah, it's and a lot of things I think started with players going down. So you had Dylan Larkin go down uh, for the rest of the season, and that kind of I mean, we knew it was going to happen, probably going to happen, but I think that paved the way for uh, the definite showing of Joe Valeno, who made his debut yesterday, which was the 27th against Columbus. And I think he looked pretty good. So tonight we're going to talk about kind of like the journey of Joe Valeno, where where he started pre-draft, uh, what's happened since then, and then kind of where, where he's hen- ended up as of yesterday and how he's kind of looked. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the new TV deal because there was a second partner found after ESPN for the NHL TV deal which a little bit of it rubs me the wrong way, and I can understand it, but but we'll get to that uh, the second half of the show. But I think we're going to start with Joe Valeno. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think the best place to start with Joe Valeno is kind of his pre-draft stuff. So Joe Valeno was drafted in 2018. Uh, for most of the 2017-18 season, Joe Valeno was viewed as kind of a high-end prospect. Uh, most mocks had him in the top 10. His, I'm going to read his, his EP draft profile. And uh, excuse, sorry if it's a little long-winded, but uh, here it goes. So there's so much like about Joe Valeno. He's a hard-nosed workhorse that makes players around him better. The fleet-footed center is unselfish and will primarily look to make a play at top speed. However, when the chance arises to put it in the pot himself, he will capitalize. He sees the ice well and is rarely caught out of position his defensive game is refined, and he actively pursues puck control, transitioning to offensive, natural, smooth, and quick, all in all a well-rounded two-way forward that skates well and can be the catalyst a team needs to turn a game in its favor. If he can find the consistency in refusing to let himself get taken out of plays, especially if he doesn't start them, he will thrive and exceed expectations. 
So that was from Curtis Joseph, uh, Curtis Joe at Elite Prospects in 2017. And it was kind of interesting because, like I said, we got him in the first round number 30 overall. But I went back to kind of look at where he was mocked. And when I looked at the final NHL's final draft ranking for North American skaters, he was ranked eight, uh, where his midterm ranking was 13. So he was bumped up. And in Corey Pronman's final ranking, Joe Valeno was ranked 11. And he ended up falling to us at 30. Uh, That was kind of the one where I think when we talked about the time, I really couldn't see a reason why Joe Valeno fell. Yeah, that that was very interesting. I remember looking at mock drafts right before the draft and, you know, they had him right up in the top 10. And I think even before the season started, he was potentially a top 10 pick. But yeah, he got that exceptional status at 15 years old. Right, right, right. And I mean, so it's it's really interesting how a guy like that can fall. And you know what? To the Red Wings credit, they were able to to, you know, snatch him up there at 30. And, um, you know, I think his development has done pretty good. I mean, he was really good in Drummondville. Um, He was good in the World Juniors the second time around. The first time around, he was okay. He had two points. He didn't play very much in the five games there. But and I do remember um, the he was a pretty significant part of the uh, World Junior Championship um, in the Czech Republic the last uh, 2019. uh, Well, I guess it was technically the 2020 World Juniors. Um, the the gold medal team there. So um, he was good. He was a big part of that team. And, uh, you know, it, it's just good to see, like, like I said before, when I saw him play in that tournament, you could start to see why he was drafted where he was and why the potential was to, to be drafted in the top 10 as well because he was a good shutdown center. He won a lot of face-offs. Um, he, what did he have, six points in six games. So he was a point-of-game player there. And uh, they won the gold medal to boot. In that uh, the 1920 Canadian team, he also wore an A. And that's a mm-hmm. pretty big deal to to get named an alternate captain for Team Canada, which shows he also has some of the leadership ability too, having played on the Canadian team twice, uh, knowing kind of how it goes. But to be given an A is like a huge honor for, for Team Canada. And like you said, six points in six games is, is nothing to shrug off. But also in Grand Rapids, he played 54 games and had 23 points. And that's where some people kind of started to say, hey, Joe Valeno's not absolutely, destro- and I hate this, is not destroying the AHL, so he might be a flop of an NHL player. <laughs> and that, I think, is one of the worst, the worst measurements is if they don't absolutely destroy the AHL, then they're not going to be worth very much in the NHL. The AHL is a very tough league. It is. Now, it's not as tough as it used to be, where it was you would go down there and you'd get mauled. But it's a tough league. It's not an easy league. There's still a lot of guys in there that are still going up and down between the NHL and the AHL. And there's still a lot of guys there that formerly did play in the NHL and just now... Um, are you know not good enough to play in the NHL, but they're still they're still playing for their pride. And then you have a group of young players that um, are you know top prospects. And then you also have guys that are some of them are not good enough to play in the NHL, but they're too good for the AHL. And and you know so that's why you have such an interesting mix in the AHL. So I hate that comparison. I agree with you 100. percent I hate that comparison. When you hear people say that, oh, he's not dominating the AHL, so he's not going to be a good player. 
Like, what? Come on. Please. Yeah, I think a lot of things... Uh, another thing people have to think about there is that a team like the Red Wings did not have a lot of quality prospects when players like Joe Valeno were drafted. So they're playing in the AHL with a lot of people that are never going to make the NHL. They're playing, yeah, they're too. not mm-hmm. surrounded with super high level talent. So you're not putting them with, with someone that's maybe conducive to letting them have a point per game season or setting them. You might not have someone to set them up for, for a ton of goals. And if them, they themselves are, are not creating opportunities, their points may not be off the charts. So Joe Valeno, I think, may have been part of that case because as we saw with the COVID season 20, uh, 2021, when Joe Valeno went to Malmo in 46 games, he had 20 points. So he was beating his Grand Rapids totals on a not so great Malmo team playing with men in, I would say, it's arguably a harder league than the AHL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's men in that league. Um, that that's a tough league. That a lot of people and I've heard on other podcasts before, people that have formerly played uh, in the NHL, and then they go over to Sweden, thinking, "Oh, yeah, this is going to be a great place to go and retire." And it's a tough league. The refing is tough. They don't call a lot of penalties. It's a very, very, very difficult league to play in. And uh, you know, I think Joe Valeno being able to play in that league and continue his development in a league that may be better than the AHL is is very good to see. And also, I think it's it's really going to be good for his development. Yeah, like I said, in in 46 games, he had 11 goals and nine assists uh, for 20 points. But I think more importantly was his play. And Joe Valeno looked better defensively. He looked sound with the puck. He was good at as a setup guy, even though he may not have been played top minutes. He may not have been playing with, like I said, Malmo is not a great team, as as was evident when they were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, but he got time to play in a league that uh, will afford you more space on ice, um, but I think is a little bit higher quality of, of play and a little bit higher quality of players than the current form of the AHL. So Valeno went to Malmo, played his games. They were eliminated early. Towards the end of the season, he had suffered a, uh, they were saying concussion-like symptoms and whiplash, which kept him out the last few games. And then uh, Malmo was eliminated. He moved over here to North America, back over here to North America, where he immediately went to... Now, I think immediately went to the taxi squad. There was a little bit of weird communication there where he was signed to Grand Rapids and then on the taxi squad. So Grand Rapids had said he came back. Detroit said he's on the taxi squad. And then that's where he sat for a while. He was cleared to practice, but was not cleared to play by team doctors because of the concussion issues. Yeah, that's interesting, too. You know, you... you, you think that he would come back over and not have any issues other than the quarantine and then all of a sudden you see that he's got concussion-like symptoms you know you don't want to mess with that thankfully it it didn't seem to be anything too too serious which is good and um, you know he did get his first game under the belt last night which was good yeah so that brings us to yesterday with Dylan Larkin out uh, we kind of need another center. Yeah, kind of need another center. And that's, that's understandable. I mean, you shut if your top guy is injured, there's no reason to rush him back with like eight games left. So let him go. 
Just let him take the rest of the season off. It was a bad hit, a dirty hit from Jamie Benn. Uh, off the face-off, cross-check Larkin right in the back of the neck when he was already bent over. So super dirty play from a dirty player, it's expected. And then everyone lauds him for being amazing, switching to center. But that's neither here nor there. But with Larkin out for the rest of the season, Joe Valeno steps in. He played, I believe, a sec- uh, third-line center last night. And he averaged, he had 14 minutes and 59 seconds of ice time and looked good. He took seven face-offs, had a 57% uh, face-off percentage, two block shots, one hit, one takeaway, no giveaways, and had a couple solid looks uh, to, to almost score a goal. Yeah, no, he did. He he looked really good. He looked like he belonged. His speed was good. Um, some good vision there. And I liked his physicality as well. I know a lot of people don't talk about the physicality part of the game, but, um, you know, you see him um, playing in Malmo. And, uh, you know, like like we said before, you know, that's, that's an NHL type of league. Uh, or not an NHL type of league, but, you know, a toughness value much better than the AHL. And um, I thought he had more than one hit, though. He only had one hit. Yeah, hits, a lot of things, I think, like hits and takeaways and giveaways, sometimes I think they're loosely recorded. Um, yeah. Or what what someone defines as a hit. But, yeah, yeah it, says, it says one hit uh, and then two blocks and one takeaway. So... Uh, and the, the one thing that surprised me is he didn't play much in the first period. You, you you've seen over the the, the years of, of um, you know top prospects being called up, and this is obviously in the former regime. But you know they'd come up and they wouldn't play at all, and then they'd be sent right back down. And just like you know that messes with a player. If you're gonna bring him up, play him. If you're not gonna br- if you're not gonna play him, then play him in Grand Rapids. There's no point of playing him up here if he's not gonna play. There's no there's no value in that. I don't think anyways. So especially with a guy like Valeno who's already played in the AHL, he's already played overseas, he's already done the junior thing. I mean, he's ready for the NHL, I would think. Yeah, especially after playing in the SHL. I I don't yeah. really see any reason for him, especially with the roster, the way it's shaping up next season where we literally have no one signed. I don't see why Joe Valeno wouldn't make the team, especially when you're looking. So Rasmussen has solidified himself as, as part of the team, but do they keep Rasmussen on a wing or do they move him to center? And that was the big thing with Valeno. Were they going to play? We knew they were going to play him the last few games of the season, but were they going to play him at wing or were they going to play him at center? And they decided to play him at center. And that is a big kind of boost. That That's a good sign from a coach when he's confident enough with a player, a brand new to the NHL player to start him at center and not start him at wing. Because we saw even with guys like Larkin started at wing and transition to center because wing overall is, is a less defensively responsible position. And I guess they believe enough in Joe Valeno's defensive responsibility to start him at center right from the beginning. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And like you said, he he was physical. He did not look out of place one bit. He had uh, some good board battles. The takeaway that was recorded was a phenomenal takeaway and uh, resulted in um, an opportunity. So it was a really, a really good game for Valeno, a a decently, like we said, an excitingly boring game overall because no one wanted to put Hmm. the puck in the net and it ended in a shootout with uh, with a score of zero to zero. But it was, 
it was a very good game for for a first game for me. I think I even tweeted in the first period, like not to overreact, and it's early, but I'm impressed with Joe Valeno and the way he's played in the first period. Right, and I remember talking to you about Valeno after the World Juniors, and you like I let you know I'm like you know I think he's playing some pretty good hockey, and you're like yeah temper your expectations. I'm not sure how good he's actually going to be when it comes to coming to the NHL. But are, so are you more surprised than you are anything else, or is it just because of the trajectory of um you know him playing overseas now that you know playing with men or whatever? I don't know if I'm more surprised. I think I always said that Valeno's... I thought Valeno's ceiling was a second-line center. And Nothing wrong with that. And No, not at all. But if you... But I need more than one game in the NHL against a currently terrible Blue Jackets team to, to kind oh, of agree. make yeah. any more of a judgment on it. Like, I think by the end of the season because the Red Wings are still trying to be competitive and still trying to win games that I, I can maybe give me five more games and I'll get a little better feel of it. And maybe I can say, hey, here is a little bit more of what I think Valeno can do. But again, I don't like making a ton of, of decisions this season simply because of the realignment and they're not only playing interdivision games. And there's a lot of variables going on that it makes it, I think, a little harder to judge a rookie this season when they're not playing in a bunch of different situations against a bunch of different teams when they've got uh, players out of the lineup so they can't really form chemistry because they got people going down injured or with COVID or whatever. So I think that this is kind of, an, in, in some sense, a throwaway season because of what's happened. But I also think it's a season that makes it much harder to judge what prospects are going to do simply because yeah, of, of what's happened. I agree with that. I wouldn't throw it out entirely because, I mean, there's been some good that's come out of this season. Like, um, you know, we've we've gotten some trades. That yeah. Obviously, Mantha's gone now and, and um, you know, Verona's Verona. played really well. <laughs> He's played really well. And, you know, there's been some fun in this season. Of course, you know, it's it's unfortunate that Larkin's out for the season and Bertuzzi's out for the season. Fabri, who knows what's going to happen with him. But, um, you know, there's definitely been some good. Obviously, a lot of bad, too. But, um, you know, it's been a competitive season for the most part. They've stayed in a lot of games, and the games they haven't. That you could just tell in the first five minutes that they're just not interested in playing. What's weird to me is there's only five games left. Yeah, do we know what's wrong with Robbie Fabry? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Robbie Fabry is like gone. I think <laughs> from, <laughs> he's from, like the Michael Fulmer of the uh, Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> from two days ago, uh, Ansar Khan said Fabry upper body donned a non-contact jersey in practice Monday, so he isn't expected to return Tuesday. But not really. What's wrong with him? Um, yeah, there's. It's just all that's been. I mean, same with Bertuzzi. All they're saying is upper body, and yeah. Well, there's not. I think that has to do with the last CBA. They, yeah, it I believe does. in the last CBA, they just kind of said upper body, lower body, and I think yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, Fabry hasn't played since April 3rd, and really, I don't think anyone was able to pinpoint a play or anything that would have taken him down. Nope. Um, nope. It says his estimated return is tomorrow, 
which I haven't seen or heard anything about that. But Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that either, so I doubt it. It's concerning. The Bertuzzi thing, I think, is even more concerning. Um, but the Fabry thing is starting to become um, a little bit concerning simply because they couldn't pinpoint uh, a reason why he would miss this much time. No play or anything like that. Like, you could tell why Larkin's out, but you really couldn't see why Fabry was out. Can kind of even tell why Bertuzzi's out as well. Well, Ansar Khan said on the 22nd, Bertuzzi won't return this season and may require surgery to address his issue. So I'm wondering if that's uh, rotator cuff or if he's having, or if there was a collarbone issue or something that's just a long rehab and tough to recover from. But if it requires surgery, it's got to be something that no one really expected. And even the Red Wings said they didn't expect him to be out this long because they didn't think the injury was that bad. Right, right. And and I, I do think, too, if, if the season were still, you know, there, there were still value in playing, Dylan Larkin would probably be able to play, sure. I would imagine. Like if it, this was like a playoff push or something, but there's nothing to play for at this point. Larkin's had an up-and-down season to begin with. And, I mean, there's no sense in, in, you know, injuring yourself further for a season that is basically five five games left from being over. So No, and like I said yeah. from a while ago, I think Larkin, it, it appears to me that Larkin's been playing with a nagging injury anyways. He hasn't been yeah. as physical. He's been a little slower. Um, he's laid off a little bit. So I'm thinking that he's probably been, because in the early in the season, he was out for a little bit with injury. So I'm thinking that's just either something is re-aggravated or he never really truly recovered from and it's just taken a toll on him to where I guess getting checked in the neck um, will keep you out and you don't really need to come back. We've got a reason to keep you out now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I don't really see any value in putting him back out there. What, just to get him hurt again and then maybe he's not ready for next season? I mean, I, I don't see any value in that. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Jacob Verana for, for just a sure. minute and him being named player of the week by the Red Wings and his uh, four goal, one assist, five point that uh, was pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That was unbelievable. You know, he he everything he touched went in the net. And, uh, you know, he's he's been he really has been awesome, it, you know, kind of just like, oh, man, what, what could have been? But. And then uh, Jacob Verana misses one game and then he comes out and has five points, four goals. I mean, he was unbelievable that night. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's more nights like that to come. And hopefully he's a part of the future because I really, really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, I think that a lot of us had a small concern that maybe Verana might not thrive with more minutes. He might get be a little bit more pressured. Uh, might have be a little bit more inconsistent. They said some some of uh, the problems with Verana in Washington was that he was inconsistent and wasn't playing a 200-foot game, uh, lapsed a little bit defensively. But, I mean, so far, he's he's been a monster. I mean, fantastic puck skill. Basically, when he's on a breakaway, I guess, besides a shootout, he's going to score. He needs to stop trying five hole. He, his spot is uh, top shelf glove side, and that's where he's been able to score. But I mean, it's what he's been able to do with the increased ice time in that in the game where he scored four. He only had 15 minutes of ice time. 
So wasn't that big of an improvement. The first, the last game against Dallas on the 20th, he had almost 20 minutes of ice time. And then against Chicago on the 17th, he had 16 minutes of ice time. But he's back up to 19, 20 was that in the, the last first, game. Was that the first Chicago game of the two? Uh, it was the second. Or was it just one Chicago? Oh, yeah that, yeah. that game was miserable for everyone. Yeah. But um, it, the last game, he was back up to 19 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, but he hasn't scored in two, which, you know, there are people that are probably freaking out about that. But that's not to be expected on a on a terrible team. No, and you're not supposed to score four goals on a team like this. I mean, I hate no. to tell you, but, no, but it's, you know. It's not a thing that is going to happen very often. So No. Um, yeah, you know, don't 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 be clamoring for this every night because, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but Verona has been good. I think he'll get a contract done in the offseason, probably a bridge deal since there's not much to go off of. And you may you'll be able to get him in, I think, under what you were paying Mantha for his deal. So I think it's a win if he can keep producing. He seems to have some uh, he seems to have some good chemistry with Heronic and Zadina. Go figure. They're the oh, what figure. what we're calling now, I guess, the checkmates. The checkmates. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So they are uh, their role in there. And you can just see they were out. I think. Uh, yeah, they were out in overtime. Uh, three on three. It was Zadina, Heronic, Verano, where they almost scored. Zadina just shot the puck uh, a little high and that it could have ended it there. But it looks like they got a lot of really good chemistry going on. And hopefully it continues. Hopefully we can lock up Verano for a little bit for a decent contract and that he keeps producing the way he's producing because he can be what we were hoping Anthony Mantha uh, would continue to be after last season. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's unfortunate. uh, uh, Like we talked about before that, that Mantha, it didn't work out here, but that doesn't mean it won't work out in Washington. And honestly, I'd I'd like the trade to work out for both teams. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're going to say, I hope Mantha fails. I hope Mantha succeeds and proves the people wrong because there are a lot of, uh, Mantha haters out there who say yep. Mantha's lazy and he'll never be any more than a 20 goal scorer or Mantha's fragile and, and he's injury prone and stuff. I would love for Mantha to make those people eat their words as long as uh, Verana also pans out for us because I wouldn't I, I would be OK with it, but I'd be a little bitter if Verana just failed and Mantha absolutely took off with Washington. Yeah, I'd be a little annoyed with that as well. <laughs> but I mean, now <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Mantha's not expected to be the guy in Washington, and he's playing with a better team. So, yeah, he's playing with Backstrom and Oshie. I mean, yeah. how's that for a line? <laughs> There'd be a problem if he wasn't scoring there. Yep. yep, absolutely. And he really has made that team, he really has made an impact on that team. You know, obviously they have Ovechkin and, and you know, they have Backstrom and they have... Oshi, Nevkoznetsov, and they have a great team. They really do. And, you know, uh, the back end is good with Carlson and those guys. And, I, I mean, you know, that's a Stanley Cup contender, though. You know, I mean, so comparing what he did in Detroit to what he's going to do or what he's doing with a Stanley Cup contender is unfair because, obviously, two totally different situations. You could put Dylan Larkin on that Washington team, and he'd probably be a third line center and still put up a ton of production because that team is so good and built for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. So. Uh, but if you look side by side, of course, like we said, Mantha should be producing in Washington 
and he has six points, and uh, Verona has six points in Detroit. So uh, it is yet to be seen who won that trade. I mean, we won the trade because we also got the picks, but they're producing at the same pace, though Mantha is on a much better team. Like you said, Mantha adds an extra dimension to Washington and an extra high-level scoring threat that you That's need to That's a big cover. team to begin with. Yeah, it's a big team, yeah. but but adding another... I mean, you've got Obi, who's a huge scoring threat, and then you add another big guy with a, a hard shot or a good shot in Mantha as another scoring threat. You, you've really got to keep your eyes open up and down the lineup for Washington now. So I think they've got a good chance at at going deep in the playoffs again uh, after adding another additional uh, offensive piece in Mantha. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. Uh, But I think we're going to go on to our second topic of the night, which is the secondary TV deal. So I did a little happy dance when I saw a tweet from, I think it was Elliot Friedman, saying that NBC had pulled out of bidding on the secondary TV package and will be the first time in a long time that hockey games will not air on NBC. So I said, oh my God, I don't have to listen to Pierre Maguire gush about Sidney Crosby for the 15th millionth time ever again. Well, I'll I'll say one thing, Greg, temper your expectations because for whatever reason, and I mean, you know, a lot of people don't like him. I don't really care for him either, but there are people that do think that he's going to get a job with one of these networks and he probably will. So let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I hope he gets a job with the Pittsburgh local sports affiliate. Hey, that works. Or there have been rumors swirling around that Pierre might get a, uh, a GM job or a front office job with some team or some people He's even probably said, smart enough to do that. Some people even said Pierre could get a coaching job. I don't think that's a good idea, but no, um, I, I am. I will be very happy if Pierre's face is never on my TV again, because I absolutely despise the man. Um, he, <laughs> just his, his cringe worthy analysis and just, his his stroking of the star players and just can't really appreciate any of the lower level stuff. And that's I mean, that's Pierre. And there's just things that every time I listen to him, I, it's just there's something that makes you wince when he says it. So he's gone. Uh, and then it's Babcock got this deal with NBC and now Babcock's going to be gone. So well, he's uh, a coach now, right? He's, he's going to be coaching up in uh, in Canada somewhere for uh, some yeah, Some Saskatchewan college program. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, but hey, you know what I wanted to say about the NBC thing, um, and this has kind of been brewing for a while. I think I, I think a lot of people have said the NHL, um, and I was reading an athletic article. I think it was Sean Shapiro, I believe. Sean Shapiro. And, uh, Shapiro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I was listening. I was uh, reading one of his. Um, articles uh, in the athletic and basically he was saying a lot of the nhl executives always questioned why the nhl did a 10-year deal with one partner instead of doing you know two small ones with a couple different partners including nbc and um you know i think a lot of people always question that and even i'm like that doesn't make sense why would you lock yourself into a 10-year deal so, um, but but the other thing is too is like I think N- NBC at its core did a pretty good job at covering hockey. It, it served its purpose. It really did. I think if if NBC didn't come into the fold, I I don't know where the NHL would be at this point, especially in this country. 
Um, so I, in one way, I want to thank NBC because hockey wouldn't be where it is right now without NBC stepping up and doing that after the 0405 lockout there. But on the other hand, it's time to move on and it's time for bigger and better things. And they didn't want to put it on their forefront. And it just so happens that Doc retired last year after the playoffs was over. And it just seemed like after this year, even just watching the games on NBC, it just feels like forced. It feels like it's their last year. And they don't have a true number one voice of, of, of hockey anymore. And it just kind of has gone downhill from there. And, I mean, Doc was tremendous. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, I thought as a broadcast fan, he was unbelievable just making games even sound more exciting than they actually were. And, I mean, again, like I said, we, the hockey wouldn't be where it is right now in this country without NBC. There probably wouldn't be a Winter Classic, or if there was, it wouldn't be the Winter Classic. <laughs> But it's time to move on. It's time for bigger and better things. And, uh, Greg, do you want me to go into where the NHL is going to be headed besides ESPN, which we already know about? Yeah, I've got it pulled up, too. But okay. where, like you said, though, and I, and we've talked about it in the past, is that NBC made a lot of missteps in that there would be, for instance, the, the Battle of Alberta on, in, and NBC's playing an auto auction. Like, why would you not carry one of the most high-profile games that, that you're going to get? Or you would get a, a McDavid versus Matthews in NBC's playing bass fishing or something. Well, I will say one thing about that, Greg. I don't know it, I don't know if they've spoken to this yet or not, but I think a lot of that has to do with, like, Ameri- this may sound stupid, but and I think this is their actual reason, is it has something to do with... Um, you know, not having an American team in there. I know it sounds stupid because it is stupid. You should have Matthews and McDavid and you should have the Leafs and the Canadians once in a while. Should it be every night? No, because no one's going to watch that. But on Wednesday night hockey or whatever they're going to do, why not have a a McDavid Matthews? Why not have a, um, you know, Toronto Buffalo game? Why not have a Boston Montreal game? And I know they've done that in the why, past with the rivalry night thing. But why not carry Philly Pittsburgh? Why not carry uh, Rangers Islanders? Like it's the thing is, it, your job as a, a a media group when you have a contract like this is to raise interest in the sport that you're presenting. Because if you raise interest in the sport that you're presenting, you're going to make more money. You'll get another contract. You'll get more eyes on your screen and more screen time and ad time and advertisers will pay you more during uh, hours like when you're playing hockey. So your job is to make people interested and the way you make people interested is to play these high profile games because the high profile games are going to be the ones that are more entertaining and the ones that are more engaging. I mean, but no, you're going to go and play uh, Detroit uh, against whoever Chicago. pick a team, yeah, Detroit. Yeah. But even then, that's that's a more high-profile game, and you're going to play maybe the, the one game we play against Arizona. NBC is going to carry Detroit, Arizona. Like anyone is going to want to watch that game. It's just that some of the decisions they made were absolutely awful. And I think. Do you think it's going to change though? Because I, I feel like those marquee matchups that we're talking about, like the 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 Flames and the Oilers. Like, are they really going to put that on TV in front of an American crowd and think they're going to get ratings? I would. 
I would absolutely I would try at it. least try it for the first season. Try it. See what happens. Yeah. But yeah. I think the, the big thing now is there are just instead of just being re- local regionals and NBC Sports and NBC, they're now on like a million different platforms. So the yeah. new deal and we haven't even mentioned it yet is with Turner. Um, Turner got the secondary deal, which is absolutely huge. Uh, I think Turner, the ones that it owns that are, are going to end up probably playing games are TNT. Is it TNT, TBS, and True TV? They didn't say anything about True TV. I, w- I wonder if that'll be like a CNBC thing for like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Probably. Because you would imagine, although maybe you don't need True TV because you have ESPN and you have ESPN2 and you have ABC. So and maybe ESPN you Plus. don't need and ESPN plus but maybe you don't need that true TV that ESPN 3 thing for the Stanley Cup playoffs because you're you, on NBC you know they had the NBC NBCSN regular NBC CNBC and they would put all the Stanley Cup playoff games like throughout the whole playoffs on NBC and I mean that was a major milestone that they did and I hope that continues. I really do because, I mean, being able to nationally see the whole Stanley Cup playoffs is huge because it, it generates interest from the beginning of the playoffs all the way to the end, and you don't miss a beat, you know, from start to finish. And you can get to see all of it on the same platforms or virtually anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the big thing is it's just that there are now so many more platforms that they have available to them to present games. Yep. And, and I think, more high-profile um, yeah, platforms as well. Platforms with more eyes on them. And, and that lends itself to also getting a lot of lot more secondary coverage. So even when a game's not on, you're going to have ESPN with hockey highlights and with hockey-themed shows. Now with Turner getting it, you might have Charles Barkley doing some NHL analysis because Charles Barkley is a known hockey lover. I think Charles Barkley, he has some good quotes about hockey, and one of them is almost to the effect of hockey is the best professional sport out there. Yeah, he said that even better than the NBA. Well, I mean, it's more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not going to get into it, but I can't even watch that sport anymore for whatever reason. It just doesn't pique my interest anymore. The sport's different, but again, you know, we're a hockey podcast, so of course we're going to say that. But the deal itself, do you want me to read off the the details of it just because I have the bullet points in front of me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so it's a seven-year deal uh, beginning next season, obviously. This is paired with the uh, ESPN slash ABC deal. Um, Exclusive coverage of the Stanley Cup final in three of the seven years, so that means they'll get the playoff or the Stanley Cup finals uh, three out of the seven years. Um, with um, ESPN getting the other four years. So they'll get half of the Stanley Cup playoffs each year. So there's our answer to that question. So ESPN will get the other side, and they'll get this side. And it brings the Stanley Cup final and Stanley Cup playoffs to TNT and TBS for the first time ever, up to 72 regular season games and the NHL Winter Classic, which is no small thing. Uh, Live streaming and simulcast rights for HBO Max, which I, I think, Bettman talked about and they said they're not going to get into too much of that until um you know until a further date mm-hmm. and then expansive this is huge make no mistake this one is huge expansive digital highlight reels for bleacher report because for right now they'll put a couple of things on bleacher report but even like 
they'll put the bigger things. They don't put any of the smaller things on there or anything like that. Like baseball, they'll put like um, you know a great diving catch, and they'll put like a great goal on NHL, but they won't put like a sick assist or or a great save or anything like that. Like I have the alerts on for Bleacher Report on my phone, and you yeah you get some hockey stuff, but not not nearly as much as you would baseball or even football yep. when you know it's football season. So. Did you go over the uh, how many games that they get for the playoffs and stuff? Uh, it didn't say okay. on, on this got it. particular thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because Turner, again, owns Bleacher Report, so there will be more content there. Uh, Turner mm-hmm. Sports will present up to 72 regular season games and half of the first three Stanley Cup playoff rounds each season. The Stanley Cup final air on TNT in the year in which Turner in which Turner Sports carries it, making the first time the championship round will air exclusively on cable. So that'll be interesting. And the Stanley Cup final will appear on ABC in the years in which ESPN airs it. So when ESPN gets the Stanley Cup finals, uh, it will be publicly broadcast on ABC. The other big yeah. part of this is that uh, as part of the deal, there will be live streaming and simulcast rights for HBO Max and, expans- like you said, expansive digital coverage on Ble- Bleacher Report. And the HBO Max thing, I think, is is another big point because we could get back Road to the Winter Classic, which yep. is a really, really awesome behind-the-scenes kind of thing. They follow the teams and players and how they prepare and what they go through in practice and travel and, and day-to-day. Um, they do a lot of that kind of content with football, but uh, they they have done it in the past with hockey, and and they'll probably do it again. Yeah, they should they should do like a hard knocks kind of thing that they do for football. They should do that for hockey at the beginning of training camp. How cool would that be? Take like a dumpster fire team, like I don't know Ottawa, take Buffalo, take one of those teams, and just like kind of get the you want your, the NH- of what's your going NHL on. hard knocks. <laughs> That would be awesome. Tell me that wouldn't be awesome. No, it'd be good. I think there needs to be more hockey, non-game hockey content, because I don't think a lot yep, of people realize how intense these guys practice and train themselves and the kind of stuff they go through even after games and in their recovery and injuries and stuff. So I think there needs to be a lot more non-game focused hockey content to come out of this. And again, that will just make people gravitate to the sport more when you can appreciate what the guys do to get ready or they do to recover or they do uh, just to train. It makes you appreciate the game more. Yeah, I I don't think that like I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, they need to do what the NBA does with with all this. I'm like and I'm thinking to myself, on one hand, do they want to be as popular as the NBA? Sure, they do. Don't start modeling the way that your players act and the way your your players conduct themselves off the ice and, and the way that you cover the NBA. Because I'm not an NBA fan, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you I am, but I'm a former NBA fan. And just like trying to like watch, yes, Charles and, and Shaq are very entertaining, but there's not a whole lot of like X's and O talks. Like, I don't think they do a good job of towing the line. They're they're more like non-serious and that's fine. That's fine. But you need to get serious when you're starting to talk about hockey. And I think a happy medium would be a better spot to be in. Like, I don't think you want to start like the NBA, like it's a slippery slope. You see the NBA and maybe this is just because basketball players are who they are and hockey players are who they are. 
but it, it just seems like the money has gone up in the NBA and the lack of competitive the product balance has deteriorated. The yeah, exactly. That's well, that's what I meant. To it's say. because of the the super team stuff. Teams yeah, don't even have to. Too. Teams like Golden State. They they can as long as they make the playoffs, they can basically just rest the rest of the season and throw games and whatever and get to the playoffs and go win a championship. The That's super where team, I was done. With yeah, that the super team right stuff there. sucks, and it's because basically unlimited money. You can go buy yourself mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. But uh, part of this that part of the Turner deal that kind of made me a little bit upset was Turner is going uh, from Andrew Marchand on Twitter. Turner is going to pay in the neighborhood of $225 million per season over its seven-year deal, nearly $1.6 billion. And the NHL cap is going to stay stagnant for two more seasons, at least. So I (laughs) think with a TV deal, and that's what a lot of teams were banking on, and we had talked about this previously too, the cap should go up with a TV deal. And and to go into the CBA and discussions and stuff and then say, you know what, we're not going to move the cap for for two more seasons. And I know a lot of it has to do with escrow and paying back players, but you just got two huge, huge deals and you're not going to really give the players or teams any more money or wiggle room to give players a boost. Yeah, I don't like that either. I, 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 it quite frankly, it doesn't make sense to me how, you know, the revenue, all of a sudden you said you, you had no revenue coming in because you had to play in front of limited fans. And, yep. and thankfully, there are fans in the building now and things seem to be getting better, which is good. Um, but, you know, now now you have a decent amount of money coming in and you're still not going to adjust the cap. That doesn't make sense to me at all. No, and to say not not to say well well we'll take it year by year and we'll make it stagnant and then ne- at the end of next year we'll reevaluate the cap or whatever. To say no, two two more seasons it's going to be a flat cap. Why? I in like you said, I understand they lost money due to COVID, and I understand that it takes a while to recoup that money. But you, like you said, there are fans in attendance now, and I think by next season in October when they start this back up again, because I'm assuming they'll try and get back onto a regular schedule. I think yeah. you'll see full attendance. I don't think that there's in no doubt stadiums. in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that I would say at least 80% of, uh, of at that point, you just fill arena. the damn thing. What's the point, right? Well, 80%? no, no, I, I mean, 80% of arenas will have full attendance. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. like we'll probably be back to full attendance by then because You've already got 40, something like 46% of the population that is over the age of 16 is, is already at least had one vaccination. So you're looking at yep. a large percentage of vaccinated people and you, you're going to get people back in seats. And even if even if they have to do the kind of you all you need to do to get into a game is, is show your little vaccine card or whatever, people will do it. And I've got three over three hundred dollars in in StubHub credit that I'm just itching to spend on the opening game next year. So right, I'm going to a Red Sox game next week here in Boston. So yeah, back in the buildings and and all that, and that's good. But that it still doesn't answer my question. It's like why can't they at least make the cap go up one million or one million per team? So I guess whatever that would be, but it can't go up a little bit. 
I mean, at least at least say okay, like what you said. Reevaluate. Next year it's going to be flat. Next year it's going to be flat. We're going to go go up the next year. Or we'll but reevaluate no, no. at the end. We'll we'll see where revenue is. We'll see what TV's bringing in and add dollars and and open arenas and and we'll reevaluate at the end of next season. I can understand a flat cap next season because of the money loss. But why not just say at the end of the season we'll reevaluate? Why why do you have to lock it in for two more seasons with like the possibility of a third? This offseason is going to be extremely interesting. Yeah, because there's a, a lot. Well, there's not a ton of high end UFAs, um, but there are UFAs and not a lot of money and teams still being instructed to not spend a ton. So I, I tried to have uh, not tried. I had someone try to tell me that uh, Iserman uh, wanted to switch coaches, but was told by the Illiches no, because he wasn't allowed to spend five million dollars on a coach, which I think is BS. Yeah, which yeah, I think okay. is BS, but there hasn't really been any indication that the Illiches are trying to cut money. The Illiches are not trying to cut money. The Illiches basically print money. So let's not let's not go there. Let's, and I don't think Iserman would have come in if you told him you're not allowed to pick your own coach. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Let's let's not let's not even give that person the light of day that said that. There's a bunch of funny stuff. That people well, like of to course, say. of course there is. And that's why you have Facebook and that's why you have uh, some of the chats like that. Apparently Reddit just, now, too. Oh, from Reddit. Yeah. The, the wonderful people of Reddit. But I don't know. I mean, it just seems like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why someone would say that Steve Eiserman can't pick his own coach. Steve Eiserman can't spend over five million dollars. Give me a break. Yeah. When you've got a, a ton of money in cap. Uh, leftover. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But there's let me a tell lot of- that person something right now. <laughs> if Steve Eiserman wanted Gerard Gallant tomorrow, he would get him. He would get Gerard Gallant. Steve Eiserman gets what he wants in Detroit. It's not the other way around. It's Steve Eiserman. This is Steve Eiserman's ship. Yes, yep. the Illiches pay for it, but this is Steve Eiserman's ship, and he is going. He's running it the way he wants to run it. And if he wanted a coach tomorrow, he could get that coach tomorrow. Sure. It's just, I so. like I said before, I don't think Iserman's guy is available. And for no. all the people clamoring for Gerard Gallant, I, I think Gallant is destined for Seattle. I think he's the expansion coach. And I, I think you're going to see either a name you don't know, or you're going to see a guy who has not really been an NHL coach before. I think is what's probably going to happen because Torts. Stevie. Well, no, God, no. <laughs> well, it, here's the thing: if you hire Torts, uh, one of the things I heard yesterday during the broadcast was that Seth Jones might not want to play on Columbus if Tortorella is not the coach. So well, there's that. But I think you you could get a guy like Lane Lambert. You could get a guy like Igor Larionov. You could get a guy like um, Ricard Gronborg. He did the same thing with John Cooper. So you're you're going to get a guy that's probably not been an NHL coach before because, like me, I don't think Stevie likes the coaching carousel. What are the chances you see Blaschel back I, on a percentage? Right now I'm at 50-50. I... I really? Don't, I don't know what way to take his comment that he made when he said that he would... Uh, act pretty quickly at the end of the season on the coach. I don't know if that meant I like what Blaschel's doing. I'm going to extend him. 
or I don't like what he's done. I'm going to let him go. So I, that's the thing with Iserman is you don't know what he's going to do. So I think it's time. And, and I know we've talked about this before, but I just and it's nothing against him at all. I think he's done a fine job, but I just think it's time for a new voice. I think it's time for a new um person in front of the fans too another a, a new voice in front of the fans as well uh because it's just it just because if you come back with Blashill, it almost looks like yeah well we had a bad year but we don't really care we 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 don't care what we're doing here we're just going to keep going with the same thing and bashing our head against the same wall so well, here's uh, my here's my two sides of the coin on this before we wrap up tonight i could see one half saying Look at what Blashill has done once you took guys like Nielsen out of the lineup for a, a long stretch of time, once you took Philpola out for a long stretch of time, once you made some trades and you got your guys in place and they started playing a lot better, more consistent, uh, consistently competitive. We won a string of games in a row and we were looking good once guys like Rasmussen solidified themselves and, and were playing better. Once Zadina caught on, and, and I mean he's been doing it all season, but he's his play, even though the goals aren't aren't going in, and they will eventually, his play has become a lot better. Heronic turned it around. You can see what this team can kind of be if they add pieces like they've been doing, or get play out of their prospects like they've been getting. And you have to give Blashell some credit for that. So that's one one side of the coin saying. Look what Blashell's been able to do towards the end of the season. Can he keep doing that? The other side of the coin is look at what Blashell's been doing. Look at what this team of capable is capable of. And after I know I plug pieces like Cider and Valeno in and he does well. And I plug uh, Lucas Raymond in in the next season or two. And maybe someone like Soderblom in a couple seasons, Jonathan Berger. And look what this team is going to be able to do. I can see it's starting now do I get my guy now to start bringing the, the coaching together while these players are, are still getting ready? So that's the other side. Do I, do I see Blashell's doing good now and think he can do it and sign him? Or do I see what the team is doing well now? Do I get rid of Blash and bring in my coach for the next five years when, I'm, when I know we can make a run in five to seven? So that's it's both sides of the coin. Yeah, I think the the playoff run is getting closer and closer. I know the the results haven't really changed much, but you gotta you gotta really think about it. The rebuilds take. I, I was listening to NHL Network Radio today, and they were talking about um, general managers that have been at least there seven years, and they were talking about that a general manager generally needs five to seven years to put their actual stamp, no, three to five years to put their actual stamp on the entire franchise. And, I mean, we're we're, we're only in year two of Steve Eisenman. So, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to that day where where all everybody around is a Steve Eisenman person yep. and the people that aren't are, you know, I guess just part of you know the former regime which a guy like Dylan Larkin would be but you know I guess inherited it would be a Steve Eisenman guy and same with the uh with the, with the front office and same with the coaching staff as well so I don't know yeah I, I agree it's just a wait at this point like I said I have no idea it's a wait and see it's a 50-50 for me right now because you don't know what Eisenman's gonna do 
And yeah. I said both sides of the coin are, are pretty equal right now as how the end of the season has uh, shaken out with with what they've added and how guys have kind of picked up their play and how the prospects have performed. So um, I'm going to I'm going to make that my final thoughts. That's my final thoughts is the 50 50. And I want to get yours. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So my my final thoughts are really just. I'm happy about this deal. I mean, I know the players are kind of getting screwed with it, but, I mean, whatever. It is what it is, and hopefully they do. The cooler heads do prevail. You see some money coming in, and, uh, you know, things will uh, will look up financially for the league and for the players because they did just, you know, sign that CBA. Um, and just really the final thing is, I mean, anything for growing the great game of hockey. You know, it's it's a great game. You see people all the time, like YouTubers and stuff, will talk about how, ah, I don't know much about hockey, but, you know, I, I've, I've always been interested in hockey. Well, I was the same way about, um, you know, baseball when I was a kid. I don't know much about baseball, but I, I was always interested in it. And now it's my second favorite sport. So, I mean, it's just as, as people get older and as hockey is more in front of people and more accessible, it makes people want to play the game. It makes people want to watch the game. And in turn, you get you grow the great game of hockey like they did in the 90s with the Sun Belt expansion and the Pacific advan- uh, uh, expansion. So, I mean, yeah, that's my final thoughts. Just grow the game of hockey. Put it in front of these great people. I mean, look at what happened in Vegas. You know, they... They saw hockey. They had a great team. Yeah, sure. But they also saw hockey and they loved it. And and it doesn't matter where you put it. They're going to love it, except for Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Well, Arizona, it's like, how do you make them love it? And I guess the answer is you don't. So. You don't, I guess. They're, they're just not, they're not, they're not into it. And it's definitely not in the greatest spot in Arizona. But anyways, yeah, those are my final thoughts. Grow the game of hockey. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast on Twitter at Grindline Pod. Uh, you can check out our podcast wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, mostly it's iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and everywhere else. We like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network, who is so graciously hosts us. So if you can follow them at Hockey Podnet, you will also find a bunch of other great hockey podcasts out there. We also like to give a shout out to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline podcast. And if you go to Howie'sHockeyTape.com and use promo code GRINDLINE at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code at BringHockeyBack, you will get 12% off. Uh, you can also check out our merch if you go to RedBubble.com and search the Grindline. You will find our shop. We have a bunch of cool t-shirts and mugs and stickers and stuff with designs on them that you can order to support the podcast. Uh, but that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.